Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Hey, why are we here? As a radio program, we're here every day trying to challenge you, trying to challenge me in ways to better equip ourselves to take our faith into the workplace. So often we separate our lives from Sunday to Monday. And when we go to work on Monday, we kind of say, well, business is business, but my faith is applies outside of eight to five. And we're here to just to tell you, that's not true. If Jesus is Lord of your life, he's Lord of all of your life. And we're just trying to help equip you and me to do it better, to take our faith with us in a more vibrant and active way. So today's conversation is going to challenge you and me and listeners around the world, because these broadcasts go out all over the world, not by radio, but by podcasts, about what is the real mission of the church. And you may go, Jim, this isn't a church show. I'm like, it most certainly is. The body of Christ is called the church, not a building, but the body of Christ. And we're talking today with author and speaker Reggie McNeil about his book, Kingdom Come, why we must give up our obsession with fixing the church and what we should do instead. Reggie McNeil, welcome to I Work For Him. Glad to be here, Jim. Thanks for having me on. You know, I, I, I'm so grateful that Tyndale reached, reached out to me and said, Hey, Jim, we got a book we think you'd really like to read and a book you'd really like to highlight on your show. And I'm like, really? The cover, Reggie, <laughs> the cover should have more explosions on it or something. I, I don't know. It, 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 the cover 
is so understated compared to the explosive material inside. Unbelievable. One of the one of my top ten reads for this year, and that's saying a lot because I've already read seventy books this year. My goodness. Well you're I I haven't even read this book, so I'm gonna get on to it as soon as <laughs> you, as soon as I hang up. I'm well, on it. You should always read your books before you publish them, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> I'll remember that. Okay, that's good. And, and I didn't find any typos, so whoever edited it did a great job. <laughs> well, I'll pass that along. Hey, Reggie, before we get into our conversation, I really want to read this verse of Scripture just to remind us of what the Great Commission says. In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And he got that because he died on the cross and rose from the dead. He grabbed the authority over heaven and earth back from the enemy. And he said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. He's talking to his disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all my commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And our conversation today is about that kingdom that we're supposed to build and yep. not what we've been trying to do for the last 60, 70, or 1,700 years. Mm. Reggie, before we get into that conversation, talk talk to the audience today about how Jesus Christ is making a difference in your life today. You know, that's a great question, and here's what I'm discovering the most, and that is that I'm finding him at work. Uh, I know you asked me about my life, but the, what he's what he's opening me up to is to be able to look for him in other people's lives more and more. I run into Jesus all the time uh, in people who you wouldn't expect, situations you wouldn't expect, and every time that happens, it just reminds me that I'm just part of a much larger movement. And so at the same uh, while that it almost like starring, you know, staring up into the sky at night, it makes you feel once insignificant because you're part of something so much bigger. But then it also at the same time makes you feel enthralled and, and thrilled because you are part of something so magnificent. So I would say that Jesus is reminding me on a pretty daily basis uh, that he's up to big stuff, and, I, you know, while I may be thinking I'm trying to drag him into situations, he's already there. And what's really cool, and what's really cool is that, you know, you, you say we're, we're part of something bigger. And in today's world, the body of Christ followers around the world is Two billion plus, maybe. I mean, it's a pretty sizable number. And in China, and in China and India, there's a thousand people joining that movement every day. It, oh, I mean, yeah. it's so unbelievable. And really, listeners today, I just want to challenge you: don't tune this out. We've got some really incredible news. Reggie McNeil, welcome back. To I work for him. Glad to be here, Jim. Hey, I wanted to read a quote from your book on page one hundred and one. This is a a, a a quote from a friend of yours who is an accomplished an attorney, accomplished attorney, excuse me. Yeah. I know that my law practice is supposed to be my mission field, he told me. This is him talking to you. But I have no idea how to do that. The church-centered discipleship model he grew up has, he grew up under, has produced a world-class church leader, but a missionally challenged Christ follower, deployed in the world, but not adequately equipped. Sadly, he's not alone. My friend is but one example of millions of other gifted and passionate people who are bundled up at church, investing time, talent, and treasure in perpetuating the church's programs, all the while waiting and yearning, whether they realize it or not, to be unleashed on the world as viral kingdom agents. Reggie, why did you write this book? (laughs) Two things. 
uh, and, and hope and urgency. First of all, hope in the sense that I really do think that the kingdom is a message of hope. In fact, I know it is. And I know that people are desperate for hope, uh, whether it's the stock market downturn or they're dealing with something in their lives or, or whatever. Their kids aren't, uh, you know, don't have a great relationship with them or they're worried about whatever it is. People are always uh, susceptible to hope. And the kingdom message, which, by the way, is the primary message of Jesus, was a message and is a message of hope. So that's the first thing. And by the way, that means that those of us who are Jesus followers, as you, uh, you know, so uh, aptly and correctly uh, highlight, wherever we are, the Church is. And so we are supposed to be carrying that message of hope, not a message of condemnation or a message of straighten up and fly right, not a message of all those other things. A message of hope is what people are drawn to. The second thing, though, is urgency, because I'm afraid, second reason I wrote that, my urgency is driven in this book that we're missing it. We're missing this. We're so... Uh, just the gravity of the church life itself. We're so busy, so enormous, so self-occupied and preoccupied that it's hard to escape the orbit around, you know, church-centered activities, church uh, stuff, and and be really released uh, both in time and energy and talent uh, into the, the world where God really is waiting on us to join him in his redemptive mission. See, God's mission is playing out in the world, and it's not the, the church is not the main show. Uh, church is like halftime. The game is life, and uh, when we come together on on to celebrate or whatever, that that's just supposed to be getting us ready to play the real game, which is not here but is out there. So I know that's a lot of answer, but uh, <laughs> hope, hope and and I know we need to unpack some of that, but but uh, urgency because I really think that the more consumed we are uh, with uh, just kind of organized religious stuff, we're, we're not free to have the energy and the margin in our lives uh, to love our neighbors and, and to be those viral kingdom agents that we need to be. So why do you think that the church, we, we're, we need to stop wasting our time fixing the church? Yeah. And I understand what you mean. I mean, what we're trying, what, what, you're, what you're saying is that as we read from your lawyer friend, hey, I go to church, I'm really well equipped to work within my church, but I'm not really well equipped to go outside of my church into my workplace, which is my mission field. And in that mission right. field, I may be the only Jesus my coworkers and employees ever meet, but I'm not equipped. Yeah. Why do you say we should stop worrying about trying to fix the church and focus on what we should be doing? Why do you think it's yeah. too late to fix I've, the church? Because I think it's the wrong narrative. And I think it, it uh, underneath that, uh, preoccupation of fixing the church as an institution or, uh, you know, in the in its organized way, really um, just really belies or, or just speaks to our wrong idea of church. I mean, you were saying at the top of our show here about everywhere we are, the church is, and it's a phrase I love to say all the time, life is a mission trip. I mean, you know, everywhere I am, the church is. Now, I'm not all the church. You're not all the church. But you see, that notion of church as an organic relationship, which is central to the understanding of what it means to be the people of God. I mean, this narrative goes all the way back to Abraham, and it's about relationship. It's not about institutional expression. Now, so a lot when, <laughs> wait, when wait, I talk— We've got to unpack some of that, Reggie, because— well, I know. Be- so, so, so when I talk about fixing the church, what's happened is 
in the Western culture particularly, church has become a thing. It's an it. It's a something outside of us. It's a something we go to, we support. It's on the corner of 3rd and Main. It's, it's all that. Now, I don't, I'm not naive. I understand corporate expressions of church and, and our need to gather and all that kind of stuff. But as soon as we transfer over to that thing, that's the church. Uh, you know, it, we, we've left the narrative, uh, which is, uh, the, the, you know, salt, light, all those metaphors are organic, uh, you know, bride, all of those are relational, and that means we're living it out every single day. It's not a part of our lives. It is, the, it, it, it is our lives. Right. And so by slicing it off and putting it down on the corner of 3rd and Main and then organizing around it and scorecarding around just the stuff that happens there, we have greatly damaged our understanding of church, and that's what is so shrink-wrapped, uh, you know, our capacity to really join God in his main mission, which is not the church, it's his kingdom. All right, well, let's talk about that for a second, because it came to me a couple of years ago as I was sitting in church on a Sunday morning that, you know, I'm sitting in the sanctuary. The sanctuary, you know, it just talks about the fact that I'm in a safe place, I'm in a place that I can get peace, and, and you know, a sanctuary is somewhere where nobody else can get at you. But that wasn't the point of the body of Christ. The body of Christ was come. It, it should be like uh, a CrossFit place where we go when we get stretched and challenged so that we're better equipped to go face the challenges of the world. And it shouldn't be sanctuarial. It should be a place where we get pounded with information and pounded with our faith and challenging our faith and stretching our faith and built up amongst our brothers and sisters. So when we go out, we are prepared. That we were really yep. prepared, and that's that we've lost that mission. I don't know how many years ago we lost it, but you know the Reformation was supposed to be taking the message back out of the church people's hands and giving it to the people. I mean, the church leaders' hands into the body of Christ, and somehow. Instead of it doing that, we created, you know, 11,000 denominations who were all focused on the church instead of focused on the kingdom. Well, and, and, and all more right than each other. And, uh, you know, so, so God must be having a tough time knowing how to order which prayers he's listening to and who he's paying attention to, uh, mostly. But, you know, you, you, when Luther talked—let's go back to the Reformation. When Luther's idea of priesthood of believers— uh, you know, where are people priesting? You know, and, and unfortunately, we made that priesting thing something that happens, you know, at a centralized location. We priest the world, uh, you know, from our workstation, you know, on, on our computer, uh, you know, on the telephone, what, whatever, our cell phones, uh, you know, in our neighbor's backyard, on our front porch. We're supposed to be traveling deployed priests, not a refuge uh, mentality, which is always about the huddle. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm agreeing with you, and I'm also trying not to sound too, uh, you know, it's easy for me to, I, I want to keep the message on hope because I, I am frustrated uh, that, that you know, we, we have focused more on the organized institutional aspects of corporate church, way to the neglect of 
uh, what the main thing is. Well, and that's, and, what, that's what I want to yeah. focus the rest of the rest of the 40 minutes we have together. I really want to focus on the kingdom and what is the kingdom and how how we can align ourselves with the work of the kingdom priorities. And and let's be positive because I struggle with the same thing. I get frustrated because I, 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 I until this past June, I had never, ever heard a sermon in, in any church I had attended. And I've gone to church since I was a little kid. My parents had a drug problem. They drug me to church every Sunday. <laughs> I had never, ever heard a sermon that said, hey, your faith, it's your mission field. I never, ever heard that. Never, wow. I, I, I never, Your workplace is your mission field. Never, ever heard that. Our book today is Kingdom Come by Reggie McNeil. There's a reason Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come and not thy church come. The church clearly plays an important part, important role in God's plans. It was established by Christ, and he is its head. But we have put too much emphasis, but have we put too much emphasis on the church? Have we confused a means of participating in God's kingdom with the kingdom itself? In Kingdom Come, church ministry consultant Reggie McNeil reveals why it's crucial to realign the church's mission with God's ultimate kingdom agenda. You'll discover how you can get in on and help lead the kingdom movement currently underway. Join the mission to help the kingdom break into our hearts and break out into the world. Reggie, you write in the book, the kingdom has always been operating, but the question is whether we in the church will align ourselves with kingdom priorities and kingdom purposes and allow the kingdom to focus and guide our lives. There is so much there. We're going to get to that in a second. Can you just start off with, what's the kingdom? You know, you said earlier that you, you've never heard a sermon on what it means to have work as the mission field, you know, your workplace. Well, I grew up, even though I grew up in church, and my father was a pastor and all that, I never heard anything about the kingdom. I had no idea what that was. And uh, I kind of thought it was maybe church on steroids. Uh, then, you know, as I got along, it was kind of really serious church stuff. And then uh, it, it was a time in my life, maybe if two churches were cooperating together, that was kingdom stuff. And then, you know, then the moral majority stuff came along, and kingdom was about, you know, confronting the culture. And then uh, I went to seminary, and I learned, you know, the kingdom is the, you know, the uh, well, whatever, all those classical stuff, the rule and the reign of God. Well, I still couldn't wrap my mind around it. Here's what I think the kingdom is. I'm trying to, you know, translate it to where people can just get it. I think the kingdom is life as God intends. See, I think the primal gift that we all received is life. None of us asked for it. We woke up with it, you know, uh, and, we tried, and we spent all of our lives trying to figure out what to do with it. I mean, the whole book from Genesis to Revelation is about life. God plants a tree of life in the garden. When the Eden is disintegrating, he sends an angel to stand guard over that tree. Flip to the end of the book, you know, in the eschaton, we have a city with a river of life on, with, on both banks, on both sides, trees of life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, the life. He said, I've come to give you life and give it to you abundantly. I mean, you know, it seems to me life is the point. Now, and this life has a quality to it that, you know, the, the life that God intends. Now, the kingdom saga then that runs all the way through is the extent that God will go to make sure that we have access to that life, including a person, you know, a visit to the planet when his son wraps himself in human flesh you know, uh, comes through birth canal, emerges here, you know, and shows us then what the kingdom is supposed, it is. It, he, he lives it, he speaks it 90 plus times, he, he talks about the kingdom of God, kingdom, he mentions church twice, we'll come back to that in a minute, 
you know, and, and and by the way, only in connection to the kingdom. But again, we'll come back to that in a minute. So then what does he do? He goes about healing people. He goes about talking with them about their hopes, their dreams, uh, you know, making their relationships right, giving them physical. This is, I mean, in other words, in talking about abundant life, and there's a life quality that God wants us to have. And then when he talks about loving your neighbors yourself and all that, he talks about getting off your donkey and helping somebody who's really hurt, you know, getting them to the help that they need. Everything about Jesus pointed to life and encouraging people to have a better life. That is the kingdom story. It is that simple, but it's that profound, and we complicate it when we put all this stuff around it that make people have to jump through hoops to get to it. Well, and what's really incredible is I've read the Old Testament now 35 times. I read the whole the whole Bible from end to end. Is that God's intent with the law was to help us experience life to the fullest, to stay away from those things yes. that would suck the life out of us and to enjoy life to its fullest. That's what the law was to do. It was to keep us from being sucked into yep. Satan's world. But again, yeah. we missed it. We looked at the law and then we added to it because we wanted to suck the life out of the law too. I mean, it was just, oh. it's just amazing. You mentioned when we look at the kingdom and versus and it being all about life, and then you said earlier in your in the show, church is like halftime. So church is part of the kingdom. Absolutely. But it's like halftime. And I love that because really we're supposed to be out there hustling. Like I said, going to the CrossFit gym. I don't know if where you live there's CrossFit gyms, but you know, it's where incredibly insane people do incredibly insane things to make their bodies incredibly strong. And and people will spend hours and hours every week doing that and then never read the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> but and, and 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 what we're and, and really that's really your point is that people are spending hours and hours trying to build up the church instead of getting out and building up the kingdom. Well, we're all yeah, and here's we're we're already uh, you know uh, as I said we are kingdom agents, uh, but it's like we're we're keeping that under wraps, um, and but, and but somehow we, don't know how we to think do that it. We, we we well no that's exactly right. So we go down to this meeting place with other kingdom agents, and we all flash our credentials to each other. All right, good. And we take our flight, and we shine our lights in each other's eyes, and we, you know, we, we suck salt out of the world, desalinization. But listen, the, the church is a subset of kingdom activity, not the other way around. See, I grew up thinking the church was the main thing. This is the point I'm trying to get at in this book. We've made a church-centric narrative a more, uh, you know, we we have eclipsed the kingdom-centric narrative, which is the biblical narrative, and we've replaced it with a church narrative, not against the church, but we're out of whack. We're out of line. We're out of alignment. Well, and that's we, why we lost the— we resubmit ourselves under the larger story. Well, I'm that's, sorry, go ahead. That's why we lost the culture battle. That's why we lost the first culture battle. We haven't lost the war, oh. but we lost the first culture battle. You yeah, just yeah. mentioned it. I had forgotten about the moral majority and Jerry Falwell, but it's stuff like that where we attacked the culture instead of loving the culture and bringing exactly. the kingdom to the culture like Jesus did. That's why we lost that battle. Listen, we abandoned the culture a long time before yes. the culture abandoned us. Right. Okay. So and, I mean, so right. how do so I know we're both trying to fight for the airtime? Sorry, <laughs> but 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 so the church, in my mind, is rapidly becoming in danger of becoming irrelevant. So you're that, and I think that's part of what your point is. We got to stop trying to fix the church and focus on what we're supposed to be doing. So how how can we how can we move into that conversation of instead of trying to fix the church yeah, yeah. And, and really start working on getting focused on kingdom priorities and kingdom purposes. Well, you know, just to, just to position the church, when Jesus established it, 
he said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom, because I know I want I want some of your folks to understand this is theological. This is not just a rant. And when when he gave us the keys to the kingdom, that doesn't mean to lock and unlock the kingdom. Uh, like, you know, we bring out the fine dishes on Thanksgiving. That was a rabbinical term where a rabbi would give to a disciple who kind of completed the course, you know, who got it. Uh, it was a way that that, that that student could show that key to anyone, and they would know what school of thought he was from. What Jesus did, he just asked the question, who do you say that I am? Pete pipes up, you know, you're the Christ, the Son of the God. Way to go, Pete. Final exam, you passed it. Hey, here's the key. Now, every time, here's the key, and the key is, the, is to the kingdom. So that means that every time someone brushes up against you, Jim, against me, my wife, my kids, anybody that, that is the church, they're supposed to come away with kingdom. And what is that? A better life. We're people of blessing. Let's go all the way back after the, that, that, that narrative has never changed. How much more fun it would be if we just told our folks, go out and bless the world. You be people that bring light and hope into darkness and, you know, just help people live a better life. Whatever it is they need to do. But, no, we complicate it. We, we've given them all this stuff, and, and our folks are sitting around with sweaty palms because okay. they don't know how to make a gospel presentation. Listen, we're all part of the mission that Jesus laid out in the Great Commission. We're all supposed to go. Not Some get to go overseas. Some get to go to the pulpit. But the majority of us are called to our cubicles. And what are you doing with that? What is the mission of the church? The mission of the church is to grow the kingdom, not grow the church. And as a Christ follower, what does that mean? So we're talking with author and speaker Reggie McNeil. Reggie, when we talk about, you, you mentioned in your book, you say, you know, how can we unbundle the social capital, capital, sorry, the social capital in our church organizations to join God in kingdom-focused work. What you're saying is that we've got so much incredible talent that's wrapped up in our church, focused on our church. If we unleash that in our communities, it would start a tidal wave of people recognizing who Jesus really is. How do we do that? We're going to have to change the scorecard. Uh, because the scorecard is the big old you know tail that wags the whole dog. Right now, the scorecard is all... Uh, church-centric, uh, you know, how many folks came, how much money they bring, what's the participation in our activities, uh, you know, what's the size of our building, size of our congregation, yada, yada, yada. Now, I'm not suggesting those those numbers are going to go away or they don't matter. Uh, everybody I know is still going to count that. But we've got to expand the bandwidth of what we celebrate, and I suggest shift the, what we celebrate so that when we come together on and in our gatherings on Sunday in a big sanctuary or in a, in a living room around the coffee table, wherever it is we gather, now you gather, we're talking about the work of God in the world, not focused on, wasn't that a great sermon right here, or didn't we have a great time together in here? That's like a team coming out of halftime saying, we just had the greatest halftime experience we've ever had. Uh, you know, <laughs> no matter what's going on with the game, you know, but we just, ball. I mean, you know, we played a game so we could have halftime. It's craziness. So we're going to have to change the scorecard and begin to celebrate. And that's what I mean by scorecard. We're going to be, we need to, every, every gathering ought to be punctuated with folks telling about how they have run into God and, you know, in their workplace, how they have been used by God to be a person of blessing uh, and hope. And, and, you know, what, what they're seeing going on in people's lives. Now, this can happen individually, but also as congregations, we can corporately make some decisions about how we focus, unbundle, and focus the social capital 
to really move the needle on big stuff, whether it's education or I work with folks all over that are doing this. This is why I have such hope. We're beginning to understand we've got to be implicated in schools, not not out of some kind of, uh, you know, kids need to read. If they don't read their lives, they are on the road to destruction, I'm telling you. And why in the world do kids get out of school not able to read if, in fact, why are congregations full of people who can? So, you know, or or healthcare, or he- having people find better jobs. This is the life that God, I don't know why we think the life God intends is only relegated to the spiritual realm, because Jesus didn't leave it there. And he used very concrete examples, and he touched people, and he helped them live a better life, pure and simple. Okay, and so, so, you know, lepers were made whole, the lame walked, blind could see, uh, and he did that not so he could create Scripture. He did that to say, this is what the kingdom does. It releases people. Uh, and, and, oh, all right, go ahead. All right. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. No, it's fine. You're having a good time. I love this. You know, when, you know, right now the church seems to be focused, and really the last 50 years, it's been focused very much on church-centered activities, but the kingdom is an invading force, and, and that's what I love. Jesus said he came to restore all things, which is a, a an invading force. It's like, hey, everything is screwed up. I came, I died, I lived for you so you could see what who, who our Heavenly Father really is, and then I died in order to say, I got the keys back, I'm going to start restoring everything, and the last 2,000 years has all about that, been about that restoration process. So the kingdom is an invading force. We're invading into all the sectors of society and culture that the enemy used to control. How do we as a church join that invading force? You, you just mentioned one thing. Hey, the church is filled with mostly people who can read, yeah. so we can go and get involved in schools and helping kids read. What are some of the other great things that you're saying that we can do to start being part of this kingdom invading force? Well, I'll tell you, every... <laughs> We can start living uh, radically uh, different lives. I know that sounds really spiritual now that I've said do some uh, material things. Uh, but look what happened. I live about 100 miles from Charleston. Look what happened when those nine families stared at, in, into, into, the, you know, the, into the screen of the person who killed their family members and said, we forgive you. Yeah, that was and powerful. What happened, wow, was that, that powerful. That is the biggest kingdom Look what happened. It changed the conversation. It accomplished stuff that organizations and politicians had tried to do, you know, uh, organizations had tried to do in, by just being kingdom people. It changed everything. Now, that's the clearest evidence or example I can think of just right in front of us what happens when the kingdom comes in. It turns the world upside down, to- totally shifts the agenda. Now, and, and really, so, those are the first, I mean, true church martyrs in a long time in oh, our country. Oh, unbelievable. So when, you did, when you did all this studying for this, when you did all the studying for this, did you look at small groups? Because every church is focused on, well, trying to focus on getting people plugged into their church via small groups, getting involved in the body of Christ through small groups. What role or what purpose do you see that small groups are playing? Is it positive? Is it negative? What do you see? Well, you know, I mean... Honestly, uh, methodology, I don't know how people grow outside of accountability. And, uh, and I can tell you that all accountability ultimately happens in smaller settings. I mean, I, I can go in and worship with 15,000 people, and I can hate everybody there, you know, uh, and, and I can, you know, despise the sermon, and, or I can go in with the intent of killing people, just like we've just seen. 
But I can tell you, uh, accountability ultimately happens in smaller groups. That's just all. And that's the, that's the most important thing about small groups, and encouragement. Well, I, think I mean, you know, it's, it's 15,000 people. I can be encouraged in the worship of God. But then on Tuesday afternoon, when I've got to deal with an employee that, you know, is, is acting out, or I've got to go to my boss and tell them that I screwed up on something, or I've got, you know, to go home and face a marriage that's crumbling, I've you know, I, I got to have something closer in than that. Well, and what I like about what you just said is that, you know, the, the original church, what we read about in Acts, uh, were the churches weren't, in, they weren't meeting in the Colosseum. They were exactly. the only time they were going to the Coliseum was to get eaten by lions and get uh, you know burned at the stake. They were meeting in people's houses, which made it a small group because people didn't have mansions back then. Uh, well, most people didn't, and, and so they were meeting in small groups, and that was the power of the movement of the kingdom of God in the early church was because it was all small groups. It, it involved that that whole accountability that you said. That's what happens in small groups because, like you yeah, said. I mean, and, well, yeah, and the truth is the congregation that we have today, which is the scorecard, you know, I mean, that wasn't even the first life form and the taxonomy of the church. Uh, like you said, the house church was, and then I'm not here to promote one or the other, but what I am saying is the kingdom ought to pervade whatever form of church, however church expresses itself, what people ought to, when they, the, the DNA they need to come up against is kingdom stuff. Ooh, um, I love you know, that. Okay, so let's talk about that. Let's let's break that out. Kingdom stuff. I was going to hit that question last, but we'll take it right now. What is kingdom stuff? Oh well, uh, again, it's whatever people need to live better lives. Uh, you know, if it is it encouragement, is it uh, capacity to read, is it help with my family, uh, is it hope just to get through a night of despair, is it a job? By the way, the Gallup senior scientists tell us that having a full-time job is the number one correlative to a, sen- uh, to a sense of well-being. So I ask churches all the time, how many jobs are you creating? I remember being with Sam in, in India. It's magnificent, uh, leader of, a, of a, a movement there. And, you know, and he's got a, a coffee plantation there. He says, but I don't grow coffee to grow coffee. So this is providing 70 jobs for people in the village. See, so we've got to start thinking like that. And, and congregations are doing that. I'm, I'm with a, a car, I mean, one of my client congregations right now is adopting, you know, an under-resourced part of the city. And the first thing they, they've done is open two stores so people have work. Or I can think of a church plant right now in Fort Worth. You see, this is all kingdom stuff. I can think of a church right now in Fort Worth that was started as a restaurant. They didn't start a restaurant so they could have a church meet inside of it. The church is expressing itself as a business, and you're going to see more and more of that because it's a marketplace phenomenon of what church looks like in the 21st century. If in it's, fact, what, it's what has to be done. It's what has it's, to be done. Absolutely. We're not getting people coming. through the doors. That's right. They're not going through the doors of the church anymore. You said, exactly. in your, you said in your book, kingdom stuff happens only when we pay attention to people's spiritual, social, and financial conditions. And that's what Christ did. First, he fed them. Then he healed them. Then he dealt with their spiritual issues. That's when he called them, hey, repent and sin no more. And that's what we stopped doing. The church said, well, let me deal with your spiritual conditions first. Then, if I've got time, I'll deal with your poverty or I'll deal with your, your, your other issues that you have. And we've, we've reversed the model. Yes. I mean, a hundred years ago, we were built, the church is building hospitals, schools, uh, you know, uh, the whole public school stuff was started by the Sunday school movement, precursor, uh, you know, it was the precursor Moody. for that. Didn't Moody do a lot of that? Well, yeah. And, then, and, and, and orphanages and nursing homes, all that stuff. Well, and, and, then, and of course now we say, that's too complicated. We need to be 
let me tell you, there's a group of folks I'm working with in Pensacola that think it's too complicated. They're involved in the healthcare initiative to, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to create community-based, uh, caseworkers so that we can deal with people who are just traveling from emergency room to emergency room to get their drug fixed, uh, to intervene so that families can get really good help there. Or, or this group over in, uh, the Dallas, I'm thinking about a church with a, a clinic with about 25 doctors who give their time free medical care. Uh, you know, serving millions of, of, of uh, dollars of health care every year to folks. Listen, this is kingdom stuff because this is what people, this, this is what touches their life. And we've got to start celebrating that so that in our church we're celebrating how many kids we're tutoring, how many kids, you know, uh, are you can now read that couldn't, how many folks have a job. That's why I'm saying we've got to be this bold and reassert Life as the point, because life is what the kingdom's all about. Well, and that is such a powerful statement. I mean, life is what it's all about. Jesus came, and he said, the enemy prowls around, roaring like a lion, but I came that you might have life and yeah. live it to its fullest. And, and yet we and burden people with church activities, and, and, we, and we surround ourselves with church people. We never get any exposure to the community. And how are we ever going to make an impact on this country? If we look at how it's happening in China and India and other places where people are being persecuted, it's happening just as it talked about in the early church. They're doing it community, house to house, and they're being in, they're just bringing their faith wherever they go. Whereas yeah, yeah. in the United States, it's been clamped down by doors and programs and things like that. You know, what, I love a statement. I want you when we come back from the break. I want you to address this really quick because we'll be out of time. But you said in there, in far too many churches, the programs seem designed to keep people from ever graduating ever graduating and ready to advance the kingdom. I want you to answer that question when we come back because we've got to help churches. You know, we can try to help churches, but we've got to move on despite the churches and, and bring Christ followers in a workplace equipped to take their faith in their in their neighborhoods, in their workplaces, on the street, in the grocery stores, wherever they go. We've got to be ready to spread the kingdom. And the good news, as you said at the beginning, hope and urgency, because we know the answer to the meaning of life. Reggie, it's been a fast-moving conversation. We're running out of time, but I really like you to... What, what did you mean by this statement? In far too many churches, the program seemed designed to keep people from ever graduating and ready to advance the kingdom. What do you mean? Well, it's like we just measure and celebrate participation. As long as people come and they sit or they sell, you know, they clap and they support or whatever then they're good church members. Well, being a good church member is not the goal of the Christian life. Uh, The goal of the Christian life is to live, first of all. You are supposed to experience the kingdom, and then that life is supposed to flow out of you into other folks. And so, you know, we need to quit uh, just uh, pat people on the back for showing up. We need to start actually uh, celebrating how that faith in them, how their life is impacting people beyond them. How are they loving their neighbors? How are they, you know, sharing a better life as a family? How are they investing in people? How are they living their life as a mission trip? And so that means that so much more of the conversation is about what happens away from here, even if the, even if, if their life mission means they can't participate as much in our organized religious activities. We've got to celebrate the impact they're having on their neighbors and their world around them. And I know that sounds like, you know, maybe pie in the sky, bye-bye, but I'm telling you, if we don't get that, 
We're never going to be able to fulfill the Great Commission. Uh, We're certainly not going to touch people where they already are, which is what Jesus does. I agree. Reggie McNeil, thank you so much for being part of our work for him today. Great conversation. Get a copy of this book, Kingdom Come. Thank you, Reggie. You know, we learned today that we can impact our workplace by living life. Life as God intended it. That the kingdom that Jesus talked about 90 times was all about life and thus living it to the fullest and being an inspiration for others to go, hey, what's different about you? Why do you live with such hope? Why do you live with such enthusiasm? What What is going on in your life? We want people to start asking questions. Jesus didn't come so we'd build big church buildings. He came so that we could share our lives with others and they could see that hey we've got the answer to the meaning of life church is like halftime but the kingdom is an invading force hey if you're willing to take the challenge i'd like you to go out to i work for him tonight and click on the i work for him nation flag join the i work for him nation to become a missionary in your workplace praying for your co-workers and employees each and every day and being ready to share the hope that is within you You've been listening to I Work Ram with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and I own my own business. But ultimately, ultimately, I work for him.